Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Ears up in depth. We are back in the studio. We're here to talk about Disney news and uh, a bunch of other stuff, too, I guess. I don't know. We have some good news. We have some sad news. We have some new news. And uh, more importantly, we have Jeremy with me. Jeremy, what's going on, man? Good to see you again, buddy. Good to see you, too. Yeah, I'm happy to be here on this Monday uh, Monday evening when it wasn't really that hot out today, and I feel uh, feel good about that. It's always like a relief, like we've accomplished something. Was it really high? Has it been really hot in California? Yeah, we've had a, a couple of little mini heat waves these days, and, uh, you know, like over 100 degrees, like 105, yeah. 108. You're like, oh, my. Oh, that is hot. It's bad. It's not like Phoenix or whatever, Arizona, where I've read Phoenix or El Paso. No. Yeah, I forget now. Um, I think Phoenix had seen over like 20 days of over 100 degree heat. Yeah. I couldn't do that. That's not me. That's not me. That's not my life. (laughs) I know nothing about that life and I don't want it. That's too much for Mm. me. I can't deal with it. Anyway, Jeremy, aside from our sort of usual banter about who goes first and blah, 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 I do want to just get this out of the way. I have a story that I want to do to go first because we have a guest on the show to talk about stuff that you and I might not know. Well, I shouldn't say that. To uh, reinforce how correct we are. That's really what it is. Uh, welcome back to the show, Mr. Brian Shar from Cross Pond Law. Brian, welcome back to the show, man. Well, thank you very much for having me. This will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm, am, I, am I the depth in the ears, in the ears up in depth? Um, you're the in. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted to get you on, Brian, because uh, you and I have talked over the years about uh, you know trademark law and patent law, and you helped us out with the Covier's patent filing. And uh, more importantly, you did a show about Disney's patents with us. I think it was a few years ago. Now it was like three or four, maybe. Yeah, that had that had to be six or seven. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was a while ago. That's been a long time ago. Yeah, go, go look at the archives, people. <laughs> you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's a good show. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I wanted to get you on and get your perspective, especially because last time you and I spoke was specifically about my brand new shirt with uh, Oswald on it. And I'm wearing it right now, by the way, and you can go to the Etsy store and check it out. It's a Tro shirt. It's awesome. It, it looks great. And um, you were telling me about the the subtleties in, um, excuse me, I'm trying to turn my ad blocker off here for some reason. You were telling me about the subtleties of like trademark law and filings and stuff like that. And what really triggered me to, to reach out to you again was this article. It's been around of course, Inside the Magic and Disney Dining, because they're the same company, were like, Mickey Mouse is being retired, and the Disney fans are <laughs> up in arms. Everyone is <laughs> devastated, I believe is one of the words used, devastated by the retirement of Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, I, there's uh, obviously not. So anyway, I got on, and um, Mickey Mouse's impending copyright explanation explains, this is again from uh, from Screen Rant. Basically, I don't know, Char, help me out. What's happening here? Is Are we never going to see Mickey Mouse again? Is he going into free use territory, fair use territory? Anybody can just, you know, Purina can start using him as a mascot or something like that. What's going on with this? 
No, that, that's a good question. And it's without getting too deep in the weeds, there's Steamboat Willie's going to go into the public domain in 2024. Right? So there's, there's the original short with Steamboat Willie. Uh, you know, it's people get because the people hear the words public domain, they start to wonder that whether they can just use that Mickey Mouse for anything. Right. Yeah. So it's important to kind of back up and think about copyright and trademark. So copyright is a copyright. Essentially, it's a right to make a copy of something that's oversimplifying. But that's the public domain aspect of what's going to happen. Uh, the term of that copyright for Steamboat really. I mean, is there that much demand for people to watch Steamboat Willie? I think I've watched it once. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of pent up demand for everyone to start making copies of this and you know, putting it on YouTube or selling it in the, in the flea market or whatever. But that's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Why Steamboat in the flea Willie market? Will be something. <laughs> yeah. just, I love like I just picturing someone selling bootleg copies of Steamboat Willie out of the trunk of their car at the flea market. <laughs> Hey, if you ever go to the flea you market, say that, you'd be but... shocked at how many like bootleg DVDs are getting sold. Mm, that's probably true. You say no one would want to use that and sell it, but I'm sitting here looking at a guy in a Oswald rabbit shirt. <laughs> so Pavel, there clearly is some demand for this. <laughs> well, that that moves that that brings up the trademark aspect of this whole thing. So, Steamboat Willie is trademarked by Disney. So that image, the the look of Mickey Mouse in that cartoon, you know, there's a reason why they started putting that at the beginning of some of the Disney animation, that Steamboat Willie uh, uh, little animation, it's to keep Steamboat Willie in the public eye, to make sure it's used as a trademark to identify goods. And the trademark aspect of Steamboat Willie is whether someone is going to try to use that that image or that motion, the moving image, of Steamboat Willie to identify goods, right? So the fact that I can go out and make a copy of Steamboat Willie when it enters the public domain doesn't mean that I can, you know, slap uh, that picture on a bag of dog food, like Jason was saying, and, and suddenly start calling it Steamboat Willie dog food because that that's a trademark infringement. That's confusing the public about who's what's the source of the goods that Steamboat Willie himself is on. You know, pretty much everyone these days. I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, and every character, <laughs> every starship is trademarked by, by Paramount. Wow. They, they, they do not want to let any of that stuff get out. They don't want to lose control of any of those characters. Uh, that's, that's the tent pole for that whole studio. Uh, similarly, you know, Mickey Mouse is the tent pole for Walt Disney. You know, it, it may sound silly now. I mean, they have Marvel, they have Star Wars, but really, I mean, they call it House of Mouse for a reason, right? It's Mickey Mouse is that foundational thing that everyone thinks of when they think of Disney. They're not going to let that go in terms of letting anyone use that for any reason. No, and that, that's a lot more broad. So go ahead. No, I'm just saying, of course not. Of course not. They, yeah. would, they would never do it. And, you know, and like you said, they don't really... I mean, they use Mickey Mouse and they sort of like, you know, re, re, redefined him, redesigned him recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, and, and maybe that plays into that a little bit, but they're, they're not, they're never going to get rid of it. They're, there's no way. I no. mean, come on. That's insane. So, Your no, Honor, what does that, that mean? I can make a copy. does that mean that I, you can well, use Mickey for non-commercial purposes? I, wh- give me a practical usage of like, give me, this would be okay. This would not be okay. This would be okay. This would not be okay. When the copyright expires, it would be okay to make a copy of Steamboat Willie to give it to people, to sell it to people if people want to buy it because that's in the public domain. You know, okay. You can't... Now, in terms of... You now, we talked about slapping an image of Steamboat Willie on some dog food. That would be prohibited. I mean, there are gray areas, right? There's the whole issue of fair use. There's the issue of whether or not you know, that Steamboat Willie would function as a trademark. Let's say you're, you're making a movie that was totally unrelated to uh, anything that Disney does. I, it's just, I, I can't... Just, just think of something. If you put a character in there of Steamboat Willie, that may or may not be trademark infringement, depending on 
you know, how long he's in there. Uh, are you promoting the movie based on this, this, the fact that Steamboat Willie is a character in your movie? You know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I suspect that Disney is going to be very aggressive in policing its trademark when Steamboat Willie enters the public domain. Because people don't fully understand what this means, what fair use means, or what... Um, uh... Exactly. Okay, and so they're going exactly. to like... I think that they're going to... They're going to have people that will assume, they'll read a story in the news about Steamboat Willie and public domain. Yeah. And then they'll decide they can just use that character for anything. And I think the close cases, you know, Disney might not be as aggressive with, but I think they'll be pretty aggressive in the beginning because this is the first, this is the first uh, drop of the waterfall, right? Eventually, mm-hmm. everything is going to go in the public domain. And yeah, there's Steamboat Willie is what a hundred years old, <laughs> 80, 80, 85 years old. It's it's pretty old. But there's a bunch of things that are going to be following in its footsteps in the next you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And I think if I were Disney's legal department, I would want to be fairly aggressive in policing use of characters that are in the that maybe become in the public domain, but are still the company's trademarks. Does that make sense? Yes, I think. How, how would you how would you do that? Just by scouring Etsy and sending cease and desists? I mean, I wouldn't even I mean, Etsy is kind of small potatoes for, for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think you, what you want to look out for are the people. There was that movie. Remember, Winnie the Pooh fell into the public domain like last year or two years ago. Yeah. Not the cartoon depiction of Winnie the Pooh that's in the Disney movies, but the original stories, right? Right. So somebody made some horrible horror movie. I, have, I haven't watched that. I'd like to see it at some point. And Winnie the Pooh is like a, a slasher. It's like a slasher film with Winnie the Pooh as the killer. Yeah, I'm going to watch you know, it one day. <laughs> they, they made it for like three bucks and it made like $5 million. Okay. Uh, that's you have to be really careful with those things because people might think, oh, I can just Winnie the Pooh's in the public domain. I can just do whatever I want with the character as it's presented by Walt Disney. Right? But Disney has the rights, has trademarks, has copyrights to that particular character. I think I probably confuse things more by talking about Winnie the Pooh. Let's talk about <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> well, it's fine. So, so what can people do? So, if it's if it's in the the public domain, what does that actually mean in reference to Steamboat Willie? Uh, you know, like you said, you can make a copy of the movie, but can you make any merch with it? Are people just gonna you know put on cans of soup? <laughs> yeah, I think you can probably make derivative works. I mean, like I said, you can you can make a copy of it, sell a copy, give away a copy. Probably derivative works. Let's say you wanted to sample something and put it in, I don't know, a song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you're into the, the territory of, you know, how much sampling is allowable. Uh, you definitely can't put it on some merchandise and sell it with that logo because there's that likelihood of confusion that you're going to confuse that the consumers of that product might think it comes from Disney. That's that's the function of trademark, is to identify the, the source of goods so okay. that uh, as a consumer, you know the source of the goods. Like, you don't want to have, uh, you know, if someone's going to sell some shoddy goods with a Steamboat Willie character slapped on it, that reflects badly on Disney. And it also, you know, it, it, by confusing consumers, they, they get ripped off by someone that's just trying to make a quick buck using someone else's logo. Right. You know, I can hear you. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, you know, and then in contrast, my, my Oswald thing is, is uh, what did you say, derivative? It's, a, it's changed enough where it's not really the thing? Yes. All right. See, yeah, exactly. I'm fine. Exactly. And there's, that's, 
gets into some detail. I, I don't want to get that deep into the weeds. No, neither do I. But essentially, once if as long as you're doing something that is you know, derivative of something, a character in the public domain, you're not trying to sell goods where you're falsely implying the source is Disney. You know, I yeah. that that's kind of the territory where you're going to be okay. Awesome. I'm all right, Jeremy. You I'm, I'm over. I'm oversimplifying because we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, and no, I could bore you to tears about all the details, and I really would prefer not to bore the listeners and and you to to tears. Yeah, we're already on the edge of that anyway. So Brian. So don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it, man. I just wanted to get you on and, and sort of clarify that a little bit to, you know, put all these uh, these articles to rest. So anybody sees these come up in their Google News feed or whatever, it, it, yep. everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Mickey so, Mouse isn't going away. Yeah. The, the one weird trick to figuring out what's going to happen with Steamboat <laughs> really is just to call me. Yeah. See, there you go. Uh <laughs> Brian, if you if anybody has any questions on uh, patent attorney or patent law or want to file a patent or anything like that, how do they reach out to you? You can go to my website at crosspondlaw.com or send me an email at char, S-C-H-A-R, at crosspondlaw.com. All right, perfect. Anybody wanted to patent something, email Brian. He's a good dude. He'll work for free. He works for free. He doesn't charge a single thing. <laughs> well, I He's appreciate a trust the first fund. part of that statement, but the free <laughs> part, yeah, maybe not so much. He's a trust fund baby. And, uh, you know, he's just uh, philanthropist extraordinaire. No, Trust me, have a fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shar. Thanks, man. We'll let you go. Thank you. We'll All talk right, to brother. you soon. All right, later. There we go. The great Brian Shar, everybody. Brian Shar, always with the interesting information. I like to listen to him. You do? Yeah. Oh, man. I have a weird thing where I like to hear attorneys talk. Huh. Okay. What? Tell and- me more. Why is this? <laughs> Like when you hear like when they talk about precedent and just the way I I love the way attorneys talk about things and how things work their way through the courts and get adjudicated. Mm -hmm. Like, I love listening to that. I don't know why. Okay, I I like I like like people with like a solid knowledge of the law procedural to me. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy, man. Anyway, thanks to Brian Shaw for joining us today on the show. I appreciate him taking his lawyer time. His billable hours, I'm sure, will be in my inbox soon. Jeremy, I know it's a weird way to start the show, but uh, you know, I thought it was pretty fun. I like, I re, you know, I remember Brian Shar's last show. I think he was right. I think it was six or seven years ago, and that was fascinating. And I, I've thought he should be back more often. I agree. Um, we just haven't really had him on. We just haven't really done it yet. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to come. I wanted him to come back on to do patents. Uh, you know, patents of Disney, a second show. And uh, yeah, we just never really found the time yet. We should probably keep him on a retainer. <laughs> Uh, you know what? We probably should. If we had money for lawyer retainers, we would definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good to know. Uh, good to get yet another piece of clarification that uh, my fine thanks Oswald shirt will not get me sued into oblivion. So I appreciate that. I appreciate well, that. What will be him. interesting is when someone is able to take your churro logo and change it just enough don't, to not get in trouble. Don't give people. Well, see, I ha- so what I do have is a trademark on it's because it's it's the image but it's also the description i think from mm-hmm. what i understand and so i made it a point to write a castle made of churros so any sort of castle made of churros is uh theoretically off the table off limit okay. so all right yeah we'll see though i've never really run into it i you know ran into one gal who was like making enamel pins and there was a churro it was a churro castle but not as defined as mine i had to like send her a note and she's like i'm just making pins i'm like i know i can't i'm sorry it didn't <laughs> feel good it didn't feel good at all you're like now let me get back to my supreme knockoff and my uh, oswald <laughs> churro shirt bye derivative artwork jeremy it's changed just enough 
to where it's yeah, fine. She should hire Brian Shire. <laughs> Poor pin lady. She's in her garage banging out these pins. She's got you calling her up. <laughs> Brian Shire <sighs> sending a cease and desist. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Jeremy. Do you have a story for us? Imagineers didn't realize we'd be mad where the hatbox ghost will materialize. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion is in the spotlight, not just the new Haunted Mansion movie that came out this weekend with a decidedly lackluster debut, which is just another in a seemingly endless parade of box office disappointments for the Walt Disney Company. Good thing they're bringing back stags to write this ship. Or at least give some advice on it. But tonight I'm actually going to focus on the Haunted Mansion attraction at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Disney Parks announcing last week that the attraction would finally be receiving its own version of the storied Hatbox Ghost. Wow. Look at you guys. Okay. Playing big time now. What they're saying is later this year, this is a quote from the Disney Parks blog, quote, later this year at the Walt Disney World Resort, one of our most iconic specters, almost said spectros, <laughs> will set up residence in the Haunted Mansion of Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom Park. The yeah. Hatbox Ghost will appear to guests as they pass the endless hallway, welcoming himself inside from the swinging wake in the cemetery and grinning at the doom buggies, ghost mobiles, as they set off deeper <laughs> into the mansion. <laughs> so I don't, I'm just going to give you a quick overview for those listening may not know exactly what the whole hubbub about the Hatbox Ghost is, but the Hatbox Ghost was designed for the, uh, the attraction originally in 1969. In fact, they created two because they were doing the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland to open in 1969, but they were already under construction for Magic Kingdom Park and to open in 1971. So 1969, Haunted Mansion opens and they install this Hatbox Ghost. It only lasted for a few months because the gag didn't work. It was supposed to be like a guy holding a hat box and then his face would disappear and then it would appear inside the hat box and kind of go back and forth. That's the gag. But the technology back then, it never really was very convincing. Uh, it, you could still see the face on bone. Like it wasn't really <laughs> moving back and forth. So they took it out because the gag wasn't up to snuff. Uh, and it lit from there, it lived on in Disney lore and people always wondered and talked about. And then, of course, once this whole online community thing happened and people started making podcasts and blogs and all the rest of it, it got more notoriety in the Disney community because, you know, it starts to get talked about. It We sort of the Disney fandom did sort of manifest it into reality again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in 2015, Disney announced that it would be installed in the Disneyland version. They've, they've perfected that technology now, what, 50 years later, however long it's been. And uh, the, the Haunted Mansion now in Disneyland has its own Hatbox Ghost. Well, now to go along with the publicity push for the Haunted Mansion movie, Disney is installing a Hatbox Ghost in the Magic Kingdom version of the Haunted Mansion. Well, people aren't quite pleased with its placement. Hmm. Where's it going? You see, it, well, as I read in the quote, in, in Disneyland's version, the Hatbox Ghost was reinstalled in his original place in the attic. Right. Near the end of the ride, and notably after the scene with Madame Leota's seance. Right, right, right. It's, it's where you, just about where you turn backwards to go back down into the graveyard. Yes. Yeah. As I just read from the Disney Parks blog, there's a little bit of in that quote, in the Magic Kingdom, the ghost will be placed in the endless hallway, much closer to the beginning of the ride, and notably before the seance. Why does this matter? That's exactly what I was thinking. Why does it matter? <laughs> When you go into the Haunted Mansion, you never see a ghost until after you go through the seance. Madame Leota calls oh. the spirits from somewhere beyond, 
And then the ghost host tells us, as soon as Madame Leota is done, that since the ghosts have begun to feel our sympathetic vibrations, they are now beginning to materialize and assembling for a swinging wake. Up until that point, you see shadows of their footsteps. You see objects moving, but without knowing what the source is you don't see the actual ghosts themselves there they don't materialize so putting him way back before the seance throws that whole build up the whole storyline and the seance and them beginning to materialize completely haywire can i tell you something yeah you just told me this i'm now i've never i have never noticed that I, I mean, I knew it was like a build up because you get some small effects and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the graveyard, I figured the graveyard was like the, the apex of the thing, right? That's the finale. And it is in a way, but I never, I never noticed that afterwards, after the seance room, that's when you see ghosts. I never really like got that. I will be honest until someone pointed it out to me. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> uh, yes. But apparently a lot of people and then once well, once someone said they were like, yeah, did you ever notice you never saw ghosts until the science? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. You don't No, Well, yeah, we don't see them, but like everything's still moving. Like there's still stuff happening. So like, why would you why would you assume, you know, the candelabrum is is moving around or whatever? So right. like that's a ghost. You don't see it. it didn't materialize, but it's still happening. So it doesn't really. The story is now they're coming out to materialize because okay. of the seance. I, I never I, I feel Just like because... I have a fresh perspective on that ride now. Yeah. Well, there's a you know, there's a lot of things that Amanda's in the chat going, I never noticed that either. And it's my favorite ride, which, is, again, is the reason why we love Amanda. <laughs> and then Girthworm is saying, I'm literally screaming at my monitor right now. <laughs> Girthworm's got problems. <laughs> yeah, but it has nothing to do with the story. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, a picture of Fred <laughs> Durst on it. I don't know. He's just, <laughs> he's just an insane person. So that's the thing. Now, just because it went over my head <laughs> and, and mine, yours, yeah, and Amanda's, and Amanda's, yeah, there you and go. Possibly Girth's. We don't know. He might be just losing his mind. Yeah. But uh, doesn't mean that clearly people notice this. I mean, th- people jumped on this on social media. Wow. Uh, so much so that there is now someone. Hold on. Let's. Uh, there's an account called Theme Park Lore. And they are imploring their 700 followers to write in and register their complaints. Now, here is what their tweet says. It says, if you feel a way about this. And now this is where it is, I think, is interesting. Theme Park Lore is saying that they know people inside the Walt Disney Company are hoping fans will lend their voice to confirm their frustrations about the placement. They're saying we encourage you to go to DisneyWorld.Disney.co.com slash help. Like, what a terrible just be disneyworld.com. Yes. It doesn't need .disney.go. You have no. to stop with this. Uh anyhow, you can fill out feedback and so they've said, you know, keep it keep it cordial, don't be ranting, don't be angry. And here's an example of I'm not going to read you their whole letter, but they posted what they sent and they're saying it says good morning, I'm not sure to where to direct this, but I would like to express my disappointment with the announcement that the Hatbox Ghost blah 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 will be placed in the endless hallway. This is unfortunate. It will disrupt the slow build of the mansion and seems to contradict the narrative within that Madame Leota's seance serves as the moment when ghosts are able to materialize. So here's the thing. It just (laughs) irks me. Yes. That Disney doesn't seem to know. Like, it goes over my head, but I want the company that made these stories and that is nurturing these stories and the people who are here to be good stewards of these attractions don't know or don't care. And you get something like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or the Galactic Star Cruiser, and Imagineering spent how much time on social media bending themselves and in, 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 in you know in the press 
bending themselves into pretzels, kissing their own behinds about what fanatics for theming and immersion they are. Heaven forbid R2-D2 or C-3PO show up in Batu, or the Star Wars nerds would run home crying. Or with that van that take that like that when you went from the star cruiser to batu that you had to be in a windowless van with screens lest some star wars fan be reminded for a millisecond that they aren't actually in star wars and that they're just adults at a theme park but then you flip over here and they're like oh whatever Toss in the hat box, ghost, Rolly Crump, Walt Disney, who cares, whatever. Today's Imagineers, led by Barbara Booza, that ignoramus, don't get what makes these parks and attractions special. So they think, you know, they hear it. They hear, oh, everybody wants the hat box, ghost. Okay, we have a movie that sucks. Throw it in there. Throw them the meat. Throw them the scraps <laughs> and they'll take it. And what the reaction is, is we're not taking it. And oh, it's the same thing with Figment. Oh, Figment. Oh, just shove him back into, you know, Journey of Imagination, even though now his presence in that ride makes absolutely no sense. Throw him a popcorn bucket shaped like him because they think that they hear this buzz and that we just want it wherever we'll get it and we'll just be thankful. Well, Twitter is here to tell you that that (laughs) is not the case. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You mean X? X is here to yeah. tell you. X, X, oh, Diz X. X, X gonna, Diz. yeah, yeah. X gonna give it to us. So that's my, that is, that's where my frustration lies. Cause it's like, you can't well, on one hand pretend like this is so important to you and then screw yes. over Rolly Crump's attraction. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Do you think people would, would you rather not have Figment brought back at all or have him thrown, you know, higgledy piggledy into a ride? Well, that ride's terrible. Okay. Well, let's say Hatbox so, Ghost. Would you rather not have a, a West, an East Coast representation of Hatbox Ghost or would you rather him be even in the front of the line? I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, at least he's there somewhere. I'd rather them not have it in world okay interesting i don't i don't i don't know what i would i would probably agree with you that's uh that's yeah i think that's just how i feel first of all i don't think he that character makes or breaks that attraction i also Clearly think it's not. kind of neat that it only is back in disneyland even though two hatbox ghosts were constructed it was meant to go to disney world it's just that they figured out it didn't work before disney world's haunted mansion had a chance to open yeah so it's not it isn't meant to only be in disneyland but I, I don't know. I hate that false choice. Why do I have to pick between mediocrity and nothing? How about I get to pay $163 to come into this park and you do it right? Yeah. Walt didn't say pick mediocrity or go away. So No. He said, hey, can you, you spare a match? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I pick on him for smoking so much. I, I don't know why. But I mean, clearly. I know. Like he had an addiction. Leave him alone. <laughs> That's right. Uh, clearly, it doesn't make or break the ride. I mean, it's, it hasn't been in there since 69 right since like a month after the stupid thing opened right and it's part of the lore that people you know want to see so i I agree it it is nice that it's only in disneyland it's weird that it's going to disney world i guess i i don't know it it is kind of interesting what the company chooses to uh focus on or to fix or to implement you know the changes like nobody really i think i don't know if anybody cares about it but I, i think there's other stuff that fans are more up in arms about and then we just nobody asked for the hatbox ghost, but suddenly they're like, hey, well, let's just do this now. You know what I mean? I, I don't think there was an active. I never heard about any sort of active uh, push to get the hatbox ghost to the to the East Coast. 
I never, I never really heard about that, especially it died out uh, maybe a month after we got it over here in Disneyland. So like, it just seems like a weird, weird thing to just sort of bring up when people are very vocal about, like you said, Figment being in a weird place and whatever. Also, you'd think they would learn too. There was now, see, now you're asking me to, like, I can't remember where I read this because I've been reading a lot about this over the last few days in Mm -hmm. anticipation of talking about this. So there's one thing that there's two things that I do want to point out. One is that someone has published a letter from one Imagineer to another back from like 1999. Okay. Wow. So back before in the day. even the, uh, yeah. So even before, and they were like, what do you know what happened to it? Like it was a newer Imagineer communicating with an older Imagineer who had worked on the attraction and sort of getting, gathering information like, Hey, what's the deal with this? Is this something that we could bring back? Like there was some conversations around it, but also, and now this is where you have to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Cause I don't remember word for word what I read, but I believe that Disney said initially that this was coming back to Disney world and then mm. tabled it. And then now it's happening again. So I think okay. it was meant to happen near the time that it went back to Disneyland. What I read was that they actually had trouble. And I guess the way our attic senior is configured, it wouldn't have fit anymore. And so they had, technical trouble even just getting it in there into the right place so they said okay throw it out now they've said let's do it because we've got the movie right throw it in where it, we can make it work well and yeah and th- that's what i just assumed as well where it's not that they just put it in because because they don't care but it's the only place that they could for logistical reasons i'm guessing like giving them grace the benefit of the doubt of like this is probably where it the only place they can make it actually work but I I do think that with all the money that Disney has, you could make it literally work anywhere. You could put it on the friggin' roof of the castle if you wanted to. You can make right. it work. You just don't want to spend the money in the budget to do it. Well, there's this guy on Twitter, uh, go away, at go away green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How Bowers? Yeah, he's he has photoshopped the Hatbox Ghost. He's like, why not just put it in? And he's got it in Frozen Ever After. <laughs> he's got it in the Three Caballeros. He's got it all over anywhere, Walt Disney World, where it doesn't belong. But he's like, why not just do it? Just put it where it doesn't even belong. Go ahead. I'm like, and so I'm kind of loving every few, every few hours you see another Hob Hours. Uh, oh, man. I, I'm not on our, I follow him on the, on the Ears Up Twitter X and uh, I haven't been on there forever. But yeah, we had him on early in our career because he was talking with the Bay Lake Society. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I bet. Yeah, he seemed like a good dude. Well, I mean, that's the Hatbox Ghost. It's coming back, and uh, whether you like it or not, wherever you like it or not. That's right. I love that. Well, thanks for keeping us abreast of that, Jeremy. Let's take a break. Okay. Come back, do another story, and uh, say sayonara, huh? Hang on, everyone. It's ears up. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
back to the newsroom on In-Depth. All right. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. Jeremy, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, apparently Disneyland is going to be a little bit more like Disney World is starting September, I don't know, sometime in September. Because there have been newly announced plans to expand alcohol sales to three more Disneyland restaurants. Now, oh. presumably, Walt had said, well, there's never going to be any alcohol in Disneyland, blah, 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 blah. And then DCA opened, and Disney's like, well, let's load this place up with beer and wine as much as we can and make some more money, right? Then when Ogus Cantina dropped in Star Wars Land, they announced that they're having drinks, and people were livid. There were so mm-hmm. many people going, Walt would never have wanted this. You know what I mean? And uh, people always, I love it when people assume what Walt would want or do. Like his his viewpoint would never have changed since the mid-60s. You know, the thing of, he evolved all over the, that's what people do. We change our mind. And, uh, you know, suddenly it's like, nope, the, the moment you die, your brain waves never, you never change. Your ideas would never have moved. You're split off into the, you know, different, you know, uh, unlimited parallel universes would never be any different. This is exactly what Walt would never have wanted, uh, which I think is weird. But apparently all of those comments are back now. That it takes more energy to stretch to say, at least we know at one point in time that this is what he wanted so we can follow that. Sure. But you're having to make an argument that he might have changed his mind. Whereas it's like we don't know that he ever did that he wouldn't have wanted that. So right. it's like if we have him on the record saying something, let's just go with that. Sure. But at some point, you know, that thinking gets you in trouble because then you can never move. You can never progress anywhere. And it's not like the company's doing that with Walt with Walt's legacy or his ideas anyways. They change it all the friggin' time. Well, you know, they use it just, to advance whatever they want. Right. So. So, who, so at that point, like all of his quotes, all of his little inspirational quotes don't mean anything because you can't just pick and choose inspirational quotes from someone and, and, and say that, oh, this is what this man wanted. You, you know what I mean? Who knows, man? I, I think I think as a drinker and a smoker, he would go – you know, 10 years, you'd be like, okay, you know, I think the adults, you know, this is becoming a place with a lot of adults as well and not necessarily just families. Maybe 15, 20 years later, let's give him something. Give him a beer. I think I think he probably would have realized that smoking killed him, and I don't think that that's necessarily true at all. All right, well, whatever. It's all conjecture. Of course it is. But all I do think is. when you have what he said, you should try to stick to it as much as you can. I, I mean, with something as, as random as ser- of what to serve in a thing, I think it's I think it's a little short sighted to put yourself in a box based on the idea of a guy who hasn't been around in 50 years or whatever. And I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's almost I look at it sort of maybe a disservice to Walt to assume he would never have changed his mind. I just think I just think saying what Walt would have done is sort of irrelevant now because there was no Internet. There was no social media. There weren't, a, you know, drinking wasn't so considered more of a uh, as a, a gastrointestinal journey like it is now. You know, people are drinking for flavor. But back then, you know, you're drinking whiskey, which tastes weird, or you're drinking American light lager, which has no flavor. So, you know what I mean? I just I don't know. I think he I think he would have evolved the way the American public has evolved with drinking. He would have kept up with the times. In fact, he probably would have been so far ahead of the time 
you probably would have had the first gastro pub in Disneyland. You never know. That's what I mean. You never know. So why even bring it up? It doesn't matter to me, right? Well, the only thing that I can say to that is it's not like he was choosing flavors for the park. He wasn't saying, I don't want you to serve steak because I don't like steak. He wanted to preserve a clean cut, family friendly atmosphere where you didn't have drunks running around. And manifestly, that has happened. Look at Epcot. Look at Hollywood Studios. Fights are breaking out. People are getting kicked out drunk. He, What he was trying to avoid by keeping alcohol out of his parks has happened where the alcohol has come in. So I don't think that I, I actually think that history has played out that he it would prove him right and he wouldn't have flexed. I don't know. I OK, well, that's good. I appreciate your opinion on that. And uh, I was wrong <laughs> once, too. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Walt Disney is rolling in his grave, read one post on Twitter. Alcohol sales have long been banned at the park, opened in 1955, outside of, of course, Club 33. Uh, Walt Disney once said he feared serving alcohol would bring an unwanted rowdy element to his park. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, you could argue that uh, people are just rowdy anyways. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> yes, um, but he – it didn't – it's – what you're missing, Jason, is that this wasn't just about alcohol. Right. He felt that if you keep the parks clean – the guests will keep the parks clean. It was all of the things that he did. He made it beautiful. He didn't let the light bulbs go out. He picked up the trash because if there's already trash on the ground, the guests will throw another one. If there's drinking and there's already what it's all about creating an atmosphere where you don't want to act like a complete a-hole. I, I understand. And so I'm just saying that this is you're making it like he just didn't like beer no, or something. No, Whereas like I mean. I'm saying he was building through all of these elements, a place that influenced people's behavior. And if you go back to even how he constructed Disneyland, Walt believed that architecture could influence how people behaved. It's part of the whole philosophy behind Epcot. So the atmosphere was part of what that was doing. He wasn't just like, I don't like drinks in the park. I'm not saying that. That's what he, first of all, that's exactly, that. that's exactly how Walt sounded, I think. That's a good Walt impression. I don't like drinks in the park. Um, I'm I'm saying that as as the crowd evolved, as his park evolved, as the demand for these things came about, I think Walt would have acquiesced. I think Walt would have said, "Okay, maybe it's not a big deal," or "Hey, let's try it." I don't think he would have just still been like, "No, we're not doing this for literally no reason," just because he thought a thing would happen. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm saying that that people, especially the company and fans, tend to put Walt's ideas just in stone and that's it and not leave room for the man to change his mind that's all so once you do that all these other weird quotes don't matter anymore it doesn't like it doesn't matter what Walt would have done I, I i you know it's that same quote that gets brought out all the time it doesn't matter who cares the parks are so different than what he wanted anyways who's to say what he would have wanted we don't know we know what he wanted back then but as things evolve and move and change and shift he might have changed his mind you don't know that so, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. That's the way I look at it. Anyway, on Wednesday, July 26th, the park announced upcoming menu changes, including beer, wine, and cocktails at Cafe Orleans, Riverbell Terrace, and Carnation Cafe. It's interesting it's just that sort of side of the, of the park. Carnation Cafe is right off of Main Street right there. And then everything else is uh, in New Orleans Square. Find that weird. I guess not. I mean, I don't know. I guess they're sharing the kitchen with Club 33. or I think I think those restaurants sort of share the same kitchen anyway. So I wonder if the booze and everything is just sort of like, I don't know. The new menus won't be available until September 12th, according to the blog. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's it, basically. Oh, here we go. Another supporter of the change suggested that Walt Disney's concerns about alcohol sales have long since been disproven, Jeremy. Quote, at this point, Disneyland has long proven that it's lived up to the expectation. So introducing alcohol won't hurt its reputation at all said uh, someone on Twitter, but others aren't so sure. This will further... Well, its reputation isn't what it was. Its reputation has been sullied and tarnished over the last... I mean, Walt hasn't been around since 1967, so... By the way, I'm in... I'm in favor of alcohol in the park sure of course i make it i'm just making the case and i actually do i do believe that walt wouldn't want it but i'm going along with it because i like to drink yeah yeah i know and he's leaving jeremy left he got up and he left uh quote this will further diminish the family focus that disney used to have <sighs> whatever walt didn't want alcohol in disneyland read a twitter post it's not his park anymore i guess we can only honor him to a point because money in today's world is much more important yeah i don't know man whatever so there you go. I, I, I question I question the, the placement at, at Carnation Cafe, though. I feel like it's just going to sort of be a bottleneck in on Main Street. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to be drinking in the park, go deeper into the park first. Do you think that, like, we... Do you think that Walt was, like, more in favor of, like, paying cast members better? Absolutely he was. So he was also... Do you think we should so do you think we should go back to that or do you think we should like evolve? Maybe he would have evolved, not want to pay them. Maybe he would have. Okay. I don't know. But I think evolving with the times is this is a very different argument than you're than you're bringing up. Evolving oh, with okay. the times um would be paying cast members more earlier than the parks even have. So I think that's an argument for that. You know, I think Walt was very progressive. I think he saw things on the horizon that nobody else did. One would be America's thirst to get absolutely blitzed and forget half of their vacation. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's all I want to talk about. Just there's going to be beer, wine, and cocktails now at three places in Disneyland besides Oga's Cantina. So you don't have to make a resi for it. I, I'm not so sure about it. I put it on Discord uh, a couple days ago, and, and I was like, ah, this might be a little too much for Disneyland to take because it's a very tight, controlled area. You have three places on one side of the park. The park's going to just list to the left a little bit because of how many people are going to be waiting in line for this. And you're going to see sort of the weird behaviors at DCA spill over into into Disneyland. Uh, but I was I was uh, drummed out of the Discord server because people were like, that will never happen. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I, I, the whole place is a bottleneck. It doesn't matter what you sell. Yeah. There's no room in that park. That's true. That's why I don't understand. Like, you're, you're putting something that a lot of people want on a shop in Main, on Main Street. It's just going to come. I, I don't know. It's not built for a line that this is going to this is going to create for six months. But we'll see. I don't know. Interested. All right, Jared, what do you got? Well, while Disneyland is now serving drinks, this new Magic Kingdom attraction literally stinks. <laughs> Are they building an Dis- attraction for this show? Disney has announced a new family-friendly search and sniff adventure coming to Storybook Circus in the Magic Kingdom. What? What is it? COVID, the experience? You have to do. You have to write that something coming to Storybook Circus in the Magic Kingdom is family-friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. An adults-only themed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like what am I smelling? Jockstraps. <laughs> It makes no sense. But that's how they described it. In the tweet, a new family-friendly search and sniff adventure. Their marketing is so wacky. It's so bizarre. Yeah, that that company has problems, man. It's definitely weird. But imagine being the marketing person in charge of promoting this (laughs) search and sniff adventure. The new experience seems to be inspired by pink elephants on parade sequence from the film Dumbo. Cast members will be providing guests with a smell offense on parade map and sticker sheet. 
Those with assistance in training can then explore Storybook Circus and find smellifant statues and mark down their unique scents. I think I'm going to go. That's we're. I think we're done. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> the elephants they have different it. scents. They have smells. Are, are they going to be? There's going to be statues throughout. They're going to have different smells. Of what? I don't know. <laughs> did did uh, presumably it's from the remake of the movie? And did those elephants have different smells? There's only one smell I can think of an elephant, and it's not anything I want to be inhaling over and over again. They, I don't know. It could be cupcakes. Who knows? I don't. We don't have enough details on this. This is what. What would Walt have to... done? What smells would Walt have given? He would have elephants? shot. Whoever came up with this idea. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely would have man come on guys we we paid 163 dollars to get in here now let's go get those sheets and the map and the stickers yeah. and walk around and smell stuff because it's yeah. 1989 at the scholastic book fair again and you have a quarter to get a sheet of smelly stickers i mean <laughs> the average 14 year old camp counselor can come up with a more exciting activity <laughs> what are they doing and then to market it if you want to do this do it but you should shut up about it and don't tell anyone like just happen to have this Mm-hmm. It's so it's insane. They won't shut up about a water walkthrough inspired by Moana that's destroyed the center of Epcot. And now the big new thing is a walkthrough story book circus smelling objects with stickers. <laughs> so but the problem doesn't just lie in the utter vacuum of creativity oozing from the halls of Imagineering. <laughs> Disney's corporate partnership with Sensi, which is like who's part they're partnering with them with this Sensi sponsoring and shit sponsoring this. And they have a multi-year contract with Sensi is also raising some eyebrows and drawing its fair share of criticisms. The Twitter account at Saved the Magic posted, there was a time when Disney would associate itself with only top corporations, GE, Ford, Kodak, General Motors. Now they're doing business with a multi-level marketing company that has an entry on Scamwatch. <laughs> really? It is on Scamwatch. Um, How do you spell that? Sensi? Yeah. S-C-E-N-T-S-Y. Ah, Okay. And so it does seem that Sensi doesn't maybe have the best reputation out there. It is a multi-level marketing thing, you know, where, you know, like you like, you know, when your friends get on this, like I had all these friends on Facebook who were like trying to get me to do shakes. And it's only because like, if I did the shakes, then like they would get money, but then I would have to sell shakes to people. I had a friend, still have a friend, a good dude in Canada who was doing this like sort of like the wholesale side where he's like you can wholesale all this stuff trust me like he he really tried very hard to rope me into it i'm like john i don't think i can do this man like this is it seems weird because you have to get people on board and then you're their boss it's definitely one of those send a dollar in cash to five people on this list put your name on the list for them to send to and you'll get five dollars back and then they will put and then you'll get five it's just that's you'll just get constant money it's the same thing yeah, you go on yeah. online, Google Sensi, and it's literally joined for $99. Currently, we are looking for new consultants in all areas. This does seem very, very shady. I mean, in 2012, they were named in a class action lawsuit claiming that they are a pyramid scheme, but the lawsuit was eventually dismissed. However, Sensi did settle and paid them one, the plaintiffs $1.3 million. Wow. They've also received criticism for heavily recruiting uh, amongst the community of American military spouses because those are families who frequently require moves and they often have difficulty finding consistent employment. And it seems Sensi has been targeting 
that particular group. But um, ScamWatch claims that the median annual income for a Sensi consultant is $166, with only 6% of their affiliates earning above $10,000 a year. For, so, for uh, bugging your friends and family on social for media. For being annoying. <laughs> I mean, and so Disney Disney yeah. saw this and was like, let's get together and make a scratch. So it's like, let's get you with your dubious reputation. And can you bring a dubious attraction that is equally of ill repute to our horrible theme park? And we're going to market it. <laughs> I'm on their website right now. They do. They have. So it's basically those like a wax. Uh, there's also kinds of stuff, candles and stuff, but like a warming tray with like a wax scent kind of thing. So the warming tray looks cool. It's like the gates of the haunted mansion. Of course, they got the three hitchhiking ghosts there, and it looks you know cheesy, but sixty five bucks. You're like, oh my god! And then they have the the scent bar. It's called the haunted mansion. Three thumbs up. Cool. That's great naming. Oh, um, I and I guess it's. Um, I wonder if it's for the holiday because it says allspice, haunting pumpkin, and ghostly cinnamon, all summoning the spirit of sparkling ginger. So it's it doesn't really. I don't know. It doesn't really. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Choose a consultant. Yeah, I wonder how much they're paying for that. I wonder if that's Disney just going, I don't know, man, give me $5 million and you can do this. Seems weird. Yeah, I don't know the terms of that contract, but this, I just think it's so weird that they're offering this. I mean, this, uh, uh, someone tweeted this, it was me, uh, (laughs) that... This is a this is a theme park that used to have a fabulous nighttime electrical parade with a symphonic orchestration called Spectro Magic, <laughs> and now they have a scratch and sniff through a fake circus. Like, where what is going on at this company? Why are we still going? It's very much. It seems and, very much a whatever we can do for the lowest cost. This is a Knott's yeah. Berry Farm thing. This would go over great at Knott's Berry Farm. I mean, hell, it'll probably go over great at Disneyland or Disney World because of all the you know kids and stuff. But like, it does seem very schmucky. It's a total schmuck move, and I just think like these are their offerings. And then, and then you have Bob Iger in the press saying that the reason why no one's going anymore is because of the humidity, as though that's new. <laughs> Like, is he saying you, that? Oh my goodness! You didn't see that no. in you on CNBC where he blamed the humidity. No, I didn't. Oh God! He's like, well, it's been really humid in Florida, so it's like, well, yeah, but people book their vacations to Disney World. They don't book it and be like, let's not go anymore. Let's cancel the flight. I heard it's humid down there. First of all, it's always humid in July, and even if it's a bit more humid than usual, you don't cancel your flight to Disney World because of it. You dope. Can you imagine calling if you have trip insurance? Uh, yeah. Um, look, I'm not going to go. But apparently, it's pretty humid it's and I don't really humid. like sweating. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks for giving me all my money back. Bye. So that was that's what he said. Uh, yeah. Which was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And then at the same time, they're promoting the scratch. And it's like, yeah, we I think we I think we've narrowed in on the problem here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man no, he needs some help that's why he's got stags in there I, I can't wait for five years for the Avon Pavilion to open <laughs> Mary Kay <laughs> that it? you done with that's that? my story right. it's over it's enough Jeremy Summer is here along with humidity apparently only in Florida though <laughs> and our friends at the, like it, first of all it's been humid as all get out in California and LA too 
But like up here, like it's humid in my office, right? Now. It's humid. People are still go. People are still living their lives, Bob. It's not like we're not on the surface of friggin' Venus. And you're like, I don't know. I can't really risk going out right now because we might get raided if we leave this non-humid environment. There's humid people only outside right now. This, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, also, apparently down the road at Universal, it's less humid because their wait times <laughs> aren't seeing the drop. So the humidity right. must just be staying on this side of I-4. I don't know. Uh, our friends at the 21st Amendment are celebrating the return of the warmer days with their popular and everyone's favorite seasonal beer, Hell or High Watermelon Wheat. The brewers at the 21st Amendment brew an American wheat beer with real watermelon juice, creating a refreshing, fruity, and quenching beer, or what they affectionately call summer in a can. Hell or High Watermelon Wheat will make any weekend barbecue or beach time activity that much better. When visiting the California Bay Area and it's all its humidity, be sure and stop in at the 21st Amendment San Francisco Brew Pub at 563 2nd Street, just two blocks from Giants Park, and also be sure and visit their brewery tap room just across the bay in San Leandro with an outdoor beer garden. An outdoor beer garden. Um, all right, Jeremy, I got one more story to wrap it up here. Oh. And uh, it's, it involves some sad news. Okay, we don't normally like reporting sad news on this, but this is like a, such a breaking story and it's uh, a heartbreaking one and a relatively, you know, new story. Paul Rubens, better known as one Mr. Pee Wee Herman, passed away Sunday evening from a very private battle with cancer. Pee Wee's Playhouse saw several guest appearances appearances over the years, mostly from folks who would later go on to become household names such as Natasha Leone, Lawrence Fishburne, Jimmy Smits, Sandra Bernhardt, and Phil Hartman. Quote, please. <laughs> okay, so this is Pee Wee's like, like uh, he wrote like a note to his like fans be posted on social, I guess. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad. I don't know. Um, he says, please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. This man has been battling cancer for six years. Uh, I have always felt a huge amount of love and respect for my friends, fans, and supporters. I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art you. Rubens created Pee Wee when he was part of the Los Angeles improv group The Groundlings in the late 1970s. Phil Hartman helped Rubens develop the character, and after a failed audition for Saturday Night Live, Paul was apparently so upset at that rejection that he decided to borrow money and start his own show in Los Angeles using the character he had been developing during the last few years. The live Pee Wee Herman show debuted at Los Angeles Theater in 1981 and was a success with both kids during matinee shows and adults at the midnight showings. After touring the country with a stage show, Rubens wrote the cult classic Pee-wee's Big Adventure, directed by Tim Burton. In 1986, Pee-wee moved to TV, where influenced by vintage kids' shows like Captain Kangaroo, which I'm old enough to remember Captain Kangaroo. I don't know if you ever watched that, Jeremy. Yeah, I'd seen it. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, the artistically groundbreaking Pee-wee's Playhouse won several Emmys and featured colorful postmodernist set design and music from new wave icons like Mark Mothersbaugh, famously of Devo, Cindy Lauper, who sung the theme song to Pee-wee's Playhouse. I did not know this. I told Taryn that. She goes, yeah, I know. I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? That was her singing the song. I had no idea. Along with guest stars, um, I just already sort of you know, said that. His television series, Pee-wee's Playhouse, ran for five seasons, earned 22 Emmys, and attracted not only children but adults to Saturday morning TV. But Jeremy, even if you weren't a normal child who watched Pee-wee's Playhouse growing up and somehow CPS was not alerted to this fact and rescued you, you might be more familiar with his role as the plucky pilot droid RX-24 from Star Tours, as well as that droid's new job as DJ Rex 
in Oga's Cantina. Rubens had already decided to end Pee-wee's Playhouse when his image as a beloved childhood hero was tarnished in 1991 after he was arrested for indecent exposure at an adult movie theater in Sarasota, Florida, which I think is why you moved to Florida, right? Because they have the best adult theaters. I heard, I forgot that he got arrested for this. Yeah, and there's like other stuff that he got busted for, but I'm not going to talk about. Um, At the center of a national sex scandal, Rubens backed away from Pee-wee and began doing press as himself. Because apparently before that, he was just doing press as Pee-wee. He was trying to like make people think Pee-wee was like a real, like just a real person, right? Um, That's peculiar. Well, you know, it got him a movie deal, I guess. Uh, In the aftermath of his arrest, he did receive support from his fans and other celebrities and appeared at the 1991 MTV uh, Video Music Awards, receiving a standing ovation. Uh, I I remember seeing this. He, like, walked out, and uh, people were like, oh, my God, this is so weird because it was such a very public. I mean, he was on Letterman all the time. He was super famous, dude, in, in the 80s, right? And he walks out, and he goes, heard any good jokes lately and everyone just lost it the roof blew off the place it was hilarious it was such a good a cl- good way to address address this stupid you know thing of like exposing himself in public you know it's like i don't know whatever anyway he had roles in tim burton's 1992 movie batman returns uh buffy the vampire slayer film and a guest star run on the tv series murphy brown Close to Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown, yeah. As what? I don't know. Um, I can show <sighs> you. I love Murphy Brown. I know. We've uh Murphy Brown, Andrew J. Lansing the third. He was on six episodes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but close to my heart, he was the voice of Locke in the Nightmare Before Christmas uh movie and the video games and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you know. And here's the thing I love that movie so much. Nightmare Before Christmas, love it. I have no idea which one Locke and which one is Shock. Barrel's like the big fat kid, but I have no idea the other two. And I don't ever want to know. I just, I like keeping it weird. I don't know why. Uh, he also appeared. I'll never know because I can't stay awake through that. <laughs> I don't know how. God, the music is so good. He also appeared in the 1990 comedy or 1999 comedy film Mystery Men and Johnny Depp's uh, Blow. I saw him. He was in, uh, he played like a coke head in a Cheech and Chong. I think it was Cheech and Chong Nice Dreams. And uh, I don't know. It's great. He's just good. He's a good dude. Uh, several children's personas cite Pee Wee Herman as an inspiration, including Blue's Clues Steve Burns and SpongeBob SquarePants Steven Hellenberg. So anyway, RIP to a classic entertainer, six years of battling cancer privately and uh, didn't say anything. And just the outpouring of support uh, for this guy is just incredible. I don't know. Well, he was sort of indirectly in two movies that I love. One in the movie Troop Beverly Hills starring Shelley Long. <laughs> And Craig T. Nelson, when yeah. the girls are having their overnight, when they wake up the next morning at the Beverly Hills Hotel, they're all watching Pee Wee Herman on Saturday morning TV. Uh, and two, uh, in Overboard, the little kid uh, liked imitating Pee Wee Herman, and Goldie Hawn asked if he was a falsetto child. One of my favorite <laughs> lines. So those are two removed. That's that's my connection with Pee Wee Herman. Oh man, yeah, he's uh, you know. The- I mean, he's been working solidly since 1978, you know, and just looking up his IMDb, he's been he's it's a lot of like bit parts and stuff, you know, because after after his arrest, I, I, I guess it wasn't really um, didn't really do much. But he was in Moonwalker, <laughs> Michael Jackson uh, thing. He was on Sesame Street. Uh, Dunstan checks in 
Matilda. He was on Doctor in Doctor Doolittle movie. He was uh, God uh, Elton John music video. He was on uh, uh, Reno Nine One One. Tom goes to the Mayor. Thirty Rock. Re- uh, Pushing Daisies. Adventure Time. The Smurfs. Like the he's just working, man. Yeah. Anyway, it sucks. It, it makes me sad because uh, you know we love we've been watching Pee Wee's Playhouse with Alice recently, and she loves it, and it's great. And like you know, uh, even like the new Pee Wee stuff was really good. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Disappointing, man. Everyone, everyone goes, but like, I think he was 70, 60, 60. He seemed to be on yeah. the younger side. No, he was born in 52, I think. So he was 70, 70. Jeez Louise, man. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's my sad story, man. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I would ask you if you've ever seen Pee Wee's Playhouse, but I know that's, I know, I know the answer already. The show on Saturday mornings? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. You weren't a big Pee Wee fan, I can take it. You weren't, you're not crying like I am. No, I'm not crying. I found it annoying. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Honestly, yeah, if you watch too much of it, yeah, uh, for sure. But it's for kids. You know what are you going to do? All right, Jeremy, we're out of here, huh? All right. All right. Time for bed. Yep. Time for bed. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash ears up and become a Patreon supporter for, uh, you know, little as five bucks a month. If you want, that'd be great. We also have new merch on our Etsy page, which is etsy.com slash shop slash ears up. I think I changed it. Um, I got the Oswald shirt that I'm wearing right now, and then I made it into a mug also. We did our first little coffee mug, so check that out, too. And uh, there's more merch coming because uh, I don't have any jobs anymore so i'm basically just sitting home making merch (laughs) so there you are all right everyone thanks a lot we'll see you